Hello and welcome to I Don't Know the Podcast, episode 45, Barry King and the Secret Base. British guy Barry King might look like an ordinary, maybe slightly pervy looking guy, but he holds some astonishing secrets. Except now they're not secrets because he's told the whole wide world. Because Barry King was a security guard at a secret government underground base deep in the English countryside. It was there Barry witnessed aliens just wandering around, programmable life forms being created, and a weird chair that you could sit in and do stuff. He documented it all in a series of writings called The Voices Paper. Can all this be true? What did the aliens look like? Why is he never interviewed inside? I don't know. So listen on to find out what else I don't know about Barry King and the secret base. The village of Peasmore lays in the beautiful countryside of Berkshire, an idyllic location with a population of just 311 people. It's a wonderful location for a drive into the country where you could relax with a local real ale while watching a delightful game of cricket being played on the well-kept village cricket green. It's hard to think of a more quintessentially English village than the bucolic paradise that is Peasmore. And that's exactly what the NSA want you to think. Because a mile below, deep in the ground, is a secret base that is abducting people and carrying out mind control experiments. They're crossbreeding with aliens and they're creating super soldiers. How do I know? Because some guy called Barry King said so. That's how. I've been involved with this program for a number of years now. This very large creature, very tall, well over six foot. Talking here, the hardware is actually um, super stealth-type aircraft. There's insiders out there who probably know a hell of a lot more than I'll ever know. To the untrained eye, Barry King is just an ordinary bloke. He's of slight build, wears quite thick glasses, and has an accent that some people might regard as common. But Barry is no ordinary guy. In 1994, Barry wrote and released The Voice Papers. The Voice Papers purports to be an expose of Barry's time working as a security guard at Peasmore Base, an underground secret facility run by the intelligence agencies of the USA, UK and Canada? The Voice Papers actually runs into hundreds of pages, 
I read the first seven, skimmed another few, and then decided I didn't want to read anything ever again. Luckily for you guys, Barry made some videos. He was interviewed by Miles Johnston of The Bases Project. You may remember Miles from episodes 17 and 26, Tony Topping and James Casbolt. From what I can tell, Miles is there to encourage and mentally fellate whoever he's interviewing. We start with a preamble with Miles and a lady interviewing Barry in a very windy field next to a chain link fence. What's your name and um, what was your position and the name of the base where you worked? Yeah, I'm Barry King. I worked as a security enforcement officer at a base AL499 Peasmore over in Berkshire. It is really, really windy there. Apparently, Miles used to work in TV production for Sky Television. Now, I might not know much about production, but I've learnt in the past year of making this show that inside is much better for sound than outside. And when did you work there and for how long? Well, two short terms. I began in August of 79 through to January of 80, and again November 80 to January 81. That's not even a whole year if you put that, that together. Maybe he got his ass fired. Twice. And now he's disgruntled. Did you notice anything strange going on at that base? Well, I hope so. Well, we're all wasting our time here. Who wrote these stupid questions? Is our next one going to be... What's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you in the secret government alien base? Well, there were many things that you could call strange, although at the time it was just part and parcel of the work that was undertaken there. Um, a lot had to do with mind control, reprogramming people psychologically, testing of people uh, involving genetics and the creation of life forms. Mind control and creation of life forms? What sort of life forms? Well, these were small grey, your, your typical greys, in fact, they were producing. How many of them? What sort of? Hundreds, kind? you're talking hundreds. In, you know, they were in three stages at the time, um, to maturity. Greys? Why would anyone knowingly want to create those assholes? So they were, they were primarily four feet or under in size? Yeah, three and a half to four feet, yes. Describe them in more detail. Uh, again, basically your, your typical grey, although the main difference being the eyes. Great description, Barry. Your typical grey. I love how Barry can paint pictures with words. Were they programmed or were they working on their own? Or oh, what? no, no, they're, they're programmed by central computer systems. So whatever uh, their tasks were, they were programmed and sent out. And what were they used for? In my labs, military abductions. Sounds like those sheep aren't too happy about what you're saying. And were these abductions carried out at Peasmore or were they carried out at another base? A lot were carried out at Peasmore. Some were actually done in the field in various locations around the UK and, of course, yes, other bases. Jesus! It's windy, there's some worried-sounding sheep noises, and now there's a weird beeping sound. How am I supposed to concentrate on what Barry's saying? And uh, what was being done or, or what organization was involved in keeping you from releasing this information? Primarily the NSA. Maybe the NSA are trying to drown out Barry's testimony. 
But despite the interruptions from the quadrupedal ruminant mammals, he continues to detail the shadowy work of my labs. Well, the vast increase in the reports of military abductions as opposed to alien abductions, you'll, you'll find uh, perhaps 60-70% of abductions reported worldwide will probably be my labs. It involves a, an ongoing genetic uh, project run by the governments of the UK, Canada and the States. So, from what I can gather, my labs is using genetically grown greys to abduct people and then do mind control experiments on them. It all seems a bit convoluted, but okay. Um, genetically monitoring people from a very early age. I would, so I've virtually been involved since I was three or four years old. Uh, I was dragged into this mannequin project as a byproduct of being involved in the survey. So they literally knew me from a, a child. One of their primary aims, um, you're going to have to endure being in all manner of hostile environments. By hostile environments, does he mean windswept sheep pastures? Those that are perfected will go on to be literally super beings. I'm guessing that despite being involved in this since he was four years old, Barry is not one of the perfected specimens. A super being wouldn't be wearing such thick glasses. And while this might all be very interesting, the wind keeps getting stronger and stronger and the sheep keep getting closer and closer until you can hardly hear Barry at all. So I found another interview. They're still outside, but are no longer in a wind tunnel full of farm animals. Over the last two years, I've been producing some documents called The Voice. This details an NSA-run mass mind manipulation program in this country. This program also involves microchipping individuals, genetic engineering and experimentation, and is run from a base deep in the Berkshire countryside. See, that's much better. I've been involved with this program for a number of years now. In fact, I was first inducted in 1972. I worked at the base, uh, which is located underground at Peasmore in Berkshire, so, as a security officer. That was Miles unprofessionally interrupting there. But I did notice that Barry's timeline is a bit different this time. Earlier, he said it all started when he was four. Now, Barry is older than me. At least I hope he is. I would guess that Barry would have been at least 12 in 1972. What size of base is this? Well, when I was there, the complex itself was approximately 450 yards by 650 yards. But obviously, since then, it's probably uh, doubled in size. And how many levels? Uh, six levels, they were the main levels. And how far would they be down underground? The deepest point would have been about a mile. Um, I only had access to a certain amount of information, so I only know about those six levels. Maybe if he'd worked there more than a few months at a time, they'd let him into level seven. Now Barry tells us how he got the job there. Well, I was sort of manoeuvred into uh, working there as opposed to just being a guinea pig many thousands of others so it was a, a maneuvered um, opportunity by the NSA to get me into the base where they could keep an eye on me as well as to actually 
uh, take part in these security procedures. So did you apply to the Ministry of Defence? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I was approached direct by the controls of the programme. Maybe they just saw his LinkedIn profile. I was also um, a participant in a government-run survey um, since I was a child. This survey is ongoing. And by 1972, when the survey actually started to link hand in hand, if you like, with the programme, I was monitored very closely from 72 onwards. What sort of kid fills out surveys? This survey is actually run from Harwell, who have very close links, as I said, with Peasmore. What sort of links do Har- does Harwell have with Peasmore? Uh, because a lot of genetic engineering and experimentation takes place, obviously Harwell is um, the main place of the survey. They have direct links because the guinea pigs are taken to Peasmore and used... He's talking about people, not actual guinea pigs, I think. Greenland Common is also linked, so is Boscombe Down. Boscombe Down is used mainly for the import and export of the hardware used by the programme. What sort of hardware are they dealing with then? Well, we're talking here, the hardware is actually um, super stealth-type aircraft. Um, Super stealth-like aircraft? So stealthy that no one has seen them. But certainly... Uh, disc-shaped aircraft, uh, triangular-shaped aircraft. I do know for a fact that under the NATO banner, one of the hardware um, devices used since the mid-80s is a triangular craft, quite large, uh, hover capabilities, usually silent. Um, That's been test-flown in many Western European countries, including Belgium. This is supposed to be exciting stuff he's talking about, and yet he's boring the pants off of me. And that was the short version. I just cut a huge chunk out of that. Eventually, Barry gets back to the genetic experiments and surveys. Most participants in the survey uh, are active from early childhood. You undergo more medical checkups, more x-rays, more blood tests... You are taken to various establishments, usually Harwell itself, that's the main one, and you are monitored biologically, medically, throughout your life. I think Barry should have been psychologically monitored too. I think what they're trying to produce in the long run is uh, a super being. I don't want to be mean, but when I think of a super being, Barry is not what immediately springs to mind. I started work in August, September of 1979. And that code on until about Christmas of 79. They laid him off at Christmas? That's horrible. It came to a, a stage when they needed to physically uh, do something about the way I was becoming aggressive and trying to get away from the programme. And before Barry can explain further, the video abruptly cuts to Miles in a car with some psychic lady. I'm not sure why, but I guess it offers some insight into why Miles doesn't work for Sky Television anymore. So, we're on to part two of this shit. Barry talks about the beginnings of the Peasmore base. Previous to Peasmore, they used another base, which unfortunately I'm not at liberty to say where that base is 
Why not? Is it your house, Barry? But according to Barry, it is the British intelligence agencies that want him to spill the beans. Because the NSA is getting too powerful. Then, after a lot of waffling from both Barry and Miles, we hear about why people are getting abducted. Various individuals are abducted, taken there. They never come out again. They're used as nice, healthy specimens. Again, are they genetically selected for any particular reason, or are we just dealing with a relatively random catch? It, in the beginning, it was just, yeah, a random thing. I mean, any anyone would do. I mean, obviously, we can get a number of good spare parts from this person, all well and good. But I mean, then they started to get very fussy. The only grey, now, if we use the term grey as a, an alien being, was those that actually were around the base at the time. Right. At the so base how, many, how many are you talking about greys at Peasemore then? I've only seen two greys at Peasemore. Right. That's weird. He said there were thousands earlier. The rest, what did they look like? Let's hope that by now Barry can wax more lyrically and eloquently about the appearance of these greys. What a typical picture everyone gives. Nope. I guess he can't. You mentioned something about a trip seat in the boys' Yeah, documents. there is... Uh, an area of the base called the, the labs and electronic areas. Uh, situated in the labs are devices which are called trip seats. Now these are very large chairs connected to very advanced computer systems. And uh, a guinea pig is strapped to this chair. Again, I think he means human test subjects, not actual guinea pigs. I mean... That would be ridiculous. You are interfacing directly with the computers. During this interfacing, the individual is then programmed by the personnel at the base to literally do whatever they want you to do. It's advanced psychotronics. Wouldn't it be easier to just get Darren Brown to hypnotise them? So you're interfacing with the computers. You've got a very big wraparound screen in front of you. This is holographic. You're also... um, a special helmet and visor placed on your head. So literally all images, subliminal images that come through. That just sounds like a VR arcade ride. The images directly being converted from the computers into images acceptable by the brain. They're implanted, they're held there until activated at a later time by. So is this a direct electrical connection to, to your to your mind or You are connected directly to the sea, which, as I say, comes through the computer. So, yeah, you're interfacing. Literally, it's man and machine as one. A bit like when I strap into the driver's seat of my Toyota RAV4 hybrid. With its intuitive controls and intelligent interface, it's hard to tell where K-Mill ends and machine begins. Well, they give simple tasks first, like, say, um, two days after being in the trip seat then they'll set you a task and if you can uh, perform that task 100% they know it's worked and then they can actually program more sophisticated tasks for you at a later date. I'm not sure if even Miles is buying this shit and he normally enthusiastically laps up any warm diarrhoea that's splashed in front of him. Which entrance did you use to get into the base? Bravo, mainly. That's Greenham Common. Greenham Common. Greenham Common used to be an American nuclear missile base. But it would be a strange place to have an entrance to Peasemore base there. Purely because Greenham Common is over 11 miles away from Peasemore. Barry says a lot more words that seem to mean very little. So now we turn to another interview. This interview is 
also carried out outside in what looks to be a pub beer garden. Here he recounts the time he met a reptilian. Yeah, on one occasion, it was just a, a single occasion, I was in the main corridor at the base and coming out of the room along the main corridor was this very large creature, very tall, well over six foot, um, being accompanied by two uh, men in suits, which I took to be NSA operatives. They're the only ones who don't wear badges in the place. I have actually been to the NSA headquarters in Maryland. I can neither confirm or deny whether their operatives wear badges. It's not that I'm not allowed to, it's just I don't remember. Uh, I just stopped in my tracks. Very, very uh, shaken. I mean, it's a very powerful looking uh, being. Very difficult to describe. That's kind of what we've come to expect from Barry, I guess. Just very, very tall, very well built, very strong. Well over, as I say, well over six feet. It must have towered at least a foot over my, my head. Uh, a greeny, browny, mottled uh, type of skin. I tried to take in as many details as possible, but as I say, it literally caught me unawares. I was really put into shock. Didn't know what the hell it was. It was just casually walking along main corridor with the two operatives. Just casually walking around? Who do these reptilians think they are? Got a very strong sense of evil and nastiness about the thing. Um, it worried me for quite a while afterwards. I mean, you know, you're never told. The security people are the last to be told what's going on. Wouldn't the security people be the first to be told? But it was inferred by others at the time that that was one of the reptile species. Because it didn't mean that much to me at the time. But every time you ask questions, no one wanted to answer. It was just strongly inferred that, yeah, that was a reptilian. You don't want to mess with that. And it was just left at that. As if the windy sheep pen from earlier wasn't noisy enough, it now seems they decided to do this taping on the flight path of a private airfield. But over the years, it's, it just seems more and more plausible to me that that also was another creation from the base. It just... You know, there may well be reptilian races, but it's just as easy for the military to have actually made this thing. Would that be just as easy? Rather than it being an actual reptilian. Like the rest of them? Like the rest of them, yeah. Now, for good measure, it sounds like they put a blacksmith workshop just off camera. It, it's, it, I sit more happier with that than, yeah, that was actually made rather than an actual species, yeah. That it was a program generated live for I'm pretty certain it was, yeah, yeah. Just in case you're distracted by the busy air corridor and the sounds of boat building, Barry believes the reptilian was artificially made. Oh, did he make sounds or say anything? No, he never looked at me. It just continued walking. There was no interaction whatsoever. Um, I only got some interaction from the two guys who I'm standing there, mouth wide open, gaping at this, and I just got the look from them just to, you know. And they just continued, and I continued about my business. No, there's no sound, uh, no speaking, no nothing whatsoever. It was just walking along the main corridor with the two guys. That was it. No noise. No sheep sounds, no wind, no light industry. Must have been very unusual for Barry. Did you have any idea what his function was? Um... 
Well, again, you ask as many questions as, as you formulate afterwards, once you've got over the initial shock of what the hell was that? No one wanted to know. Uh, no one wanted to easily give answers to questions. It was a case of, well, you saw it, that was it. You know, don't ask questions. And definitely don't try to describe it or make your story sound interesting. But over a period of time, you were there for upwards of a year or so altogether. Why did this one bit of 30 seconds, rather this brief... Because it was so out of place with what was going on there. I mean, everyone's so used to the, the three different phases you know, of development of the PGs, and this literally stuck out like a sore thumb. You know, it's just not the usual thing you see around. It was just the once, once only. Um, yeah, it was very unnerving, very scary. So he saw the reptilian for less than 30 seconds. He had no prior knowledge of reptilians being there, and yet he's able to make all sorts of assumptions about it being man-made. Any final questions? You didn't see an insignia or anything on his clothing? I mean, he was dressed in something, um, presumably. If it was, again, I never noticed. Uh, I didn't discern, you know, oh, that was skin and that was clothing. It, it, that just didn't, that wasn't there. It was just this tall beard. I mean, mostly my focus was from, you know, chest upwards. Maybe this was before he got his glasses. I was literally expecting it to turn around and face me. Then I wouldn't know what I would have done if it had a done, but it just kept looking straight and continuing, as if I wasn't even there. So, no, I didn't take in that many details. Uh, what I saw was, yeah, quite enough, thanks very much. Is there anything that you could, that you could say it looked like? You'd think by now Mars would just stop asking him to describe things. Well, again, you've seen drawings that people have done over the years of supposed... Uh, reptilians, Draco, whatever they, you know, the, the names are given. It, it lizard-like. I mean, it literally is like a very tall, very big lizard. I mean, you know, half expecting the big forked tongue to come out, but you know, again, it's just what you expect, what you're programmed to expect a, a lizard-type being to be like. He has to be the least observant security operator ever. Can you imagine him witnessing a crime? So, what did the robber look like? Well, have you seen those pictures of people? He looked just like that. Any idea why they would create such a creature? Well, it's exactly the same like the, the, the normal, if you can call them that, PGs. I mean, they're there for military abductions. Wait, is there a lost kid shouting there now? And there's a, a, an awe of mystery over the reptilians. They're the dangerous ones. They're the ones who are in charge. Uh, they're just continuing that. Anything, finally, that you would like to say to um, see Group? Maybe they should check if that kid's dad is inside the bar or something. Well, as I Any mentioned... Word of advice on it? Well, there is. I mean, there's, there's insiders out there who probably know a hell of a lot more than I'll ever know. And there's a lot of people out there who want to come forward. Just give them the reassurances that they'll be listened to without being laughed at. They'll come forward. Can you help in that regard? Won't anyone go and look for that kid's parents? Well, it's limited to what I can personally do. I mean, I can only help with people over on this side of the Atlantic, and I know there's a Absolutely, load of people yeah, locally, yeah. Yeah, who were involved. And by making my documents known, they know that I was involved. It might make me a little bit safer in coming forward. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We certainly appreciate your time and efforts. Okay. And that is how that particular interview ends, with the angriest screams of a young child looking for its family. As I said earlier, 
The voice papers are hundreds of pages long and even less entertaining than The Voice the TV show. What is entertaining, however, is a couple of the message boards I found. Because it seems Barry doesn't take criticism lightly. On one, the above top secret site, is very amusing. There's an article that mentions Barry's complete lack of evidence. This is followed by reams and reams of comments. Some from a user who says he is definitely not Barry. It is obviously Barry. He goes against everyone that doesn't agree with him, even questioning whether one critic missed out on being breastfed as a child. He even gets into a beef with Dr. Stephen Greer, the head of this Disclosure Project. It appears Barry thought he was going to be a major player in the Disclosure Project. It seems that this was not the case, though. But Barry had this to say. Time after time, I've been attacked by individuals stating I was not even a Disclosure Project witness simply because Dr. Greer has kept me and my data hidden in backgrounds and has never publicly admitted to the fact that I was a witness. He still proclaims long and loud at conferences and in interviews, though the importance of PLFs within the disclosure arena. Me? Well, I've been pushed so far in the background now, Dr. Greer states he has others connected with that field. He does not need me or my data, even though I started it all. So, I've had enough of disclosure, especially with Dr. Greer and his witness program. That was actually me saying that. Now, I've been rejected by Dr. Greer also. I asked if he'd like to be on the show, and he declined saying he was very busy. But he was very nice and polite about it. So don't take it so hard, Barry. And, like my dear old grandmother used to say, if you're always talking shit, don't be surprised if people think you stink. Episode 45 Barry King and the Secret Base The Epilogue So, what have we learnt this week? We learnt that, for a security guard, Barry isn't very observant. Basically, you're your typical grey. We learnt that his interviewers didn't really plan out their approach much. Did you notice anything strange going on at that base? And we learnt that, despite Miles having worked in TV production, he just doesn't give a shit about the sound. Finally, that you would like to say? To as we found out this week and in previous episodes Miles Johnson and the Bases Project have really shitty production values but it was made even shittier by Barry's appalling performance he hesitates he shifts from one foot to the other he can't even give the most basic description of things he claims to have seen he also has no evidence at all not a shred the idea that there is an enormous one-mile-deep alien research base under Peasmore is ridiculous. It's a well-off village in England's Green Belt. Former Prime Minister David Cameron grew up there. So you know that the local residents would very forcefully object to any planning permission for such a monstrosity. Also, massive underground bases require massive amounts of ventilation. 
There would be hundreds of ventilation shafts dotted around the Berkshire countryside. But there isn't. And I know this because a lot of people on the message boards have gone out looking for them and come back empty-handed. It's been pointed out that Barry's The Voice Papers is just a rehash of the Dolce Papers, supposed evidence of a secret base in the US that came out shortly before Barry crawled out from under his rock. Another thing that points to Barry being a sad, lying fantasist is that one of his biggest supporters and friend of his is James Casbolt. He also claims to be a super soldier, but was found out to be a sad, dangerous fantasist in court. That's right, in court, when he was found guilty of blackmailing his estranged wife's family by posting nude pictures of his wife on the internet. What a guy. But it seems Barry has given up on promoting his tales of being a short-sighted secret-based security guard. He's gone quiet ever since he was ghosted by Dr. Greer. So, while Dr. Greer hasn't really been able to give us full disclosure, we can thank him for making Barry sling his hook. If you enjoy this podcast, then share it with your friends and let me know. Join the Facebook group and the Instagram, and you can email me at idontknowpod at outlook.com. Special thanks to our logo creator, Raymond Roel of Project Raven Creative. See all his links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and come back next week to find out what I don't know. Which is our code word